do my hair toss, check my nails, baby, how you feeling? Hair toss, check my nails, baby, how you feeling? Hey, you guys, this is Sarah Troutman, and welcome to Reveal, the podcast where we talk about incredible stories of amazing women and how they've used the best of behavioral science to find a pathway forward. And I am so excited. This is in part because I've had four cappuccinos today, but mostly because we get to sit down with one of my dear friends and favorite people, the amazing Dr. Emily Callahan. Don't we all just want to be together? Leave what's heavy What's heavy behind Leave what's heavy I am so excited today to be talking to one of my very, very dear friends, the fabulous, incomparable Dr. Emily Callahan. Well, thank you. I'm very, very excited to be here. I'm um, excited to kind of feel like I'm, I'm back uh, doing something professional again and mm-hmm. um, and to be called doctor. That's the first time in quite a long time someone's used that. So thank you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'm talking to Dr. Emily and you guys can't see this because this is a podcast, but Dr. Emily also is so dressed up today and looking very profesh. So I appreciate how serious you have taken this endeavor of uh, recording this podcast with me. Well, it, I knew it, you were going to bring it. So I was like, I at least got to dry my hair and put some makeup on. Mm-hmm. So I'm not promising that I'm not wearing like some version of, of stretchy pants at the bottom, but you know, that's I mean, girl, times. same. Girl, yeah. same. Yep. Yeah. Okay. It's like in COVID. Yeah. In COVID times, it's professional on the top mm-hmm. and cozy on the bottom. Cozy oh, yeah. on the bottom. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm... I've been waiting to have a conversation with you about Jack and your entire journey with him and, and your family and for you and Mike and everybody for such a long time. And originally you were going to present a keynote address at a conference in Boston this past spring, which was going to be the first time that you had the opportunity to really share publicly the journey that your family's gone on for the last year and a half. And, you know, thanks to COVID, you weren't able. (laughs) Thanks, Corona. I know. Like, what's up with that? Just like, seriously, you know, making things so much more challenging. But then selfishly, that means that I get to sit down with you now and share this time with you to hear just everything that's been going on the last year and a half. So to give a little bit of context – Emily and I have been friends and known each other for like, what? I don't know. Oh my gosh. I was trying to think about like when we first met. It's funny. I know where I can picture you. and I know where we were, but I just don't remember what year. We were likely at a bar. We were likely at a bar. (laughs) It was was actually in Las Vegas. um, (laughs) And we were um, in a hotel suite for a meeting. And uh, I was like, and I had emailed with you. Gosh, oh my gosh. I had emailed with you about some stuff related to, before it was CASP and it was CASP. And I was like, oh my gosh, it's so nice to meet you. And then you wrote back this, you know, very, and I was, you know, at that point, very cautious about how I referred to people. And you're like, oh girl, yeah, let's get together sometime. Like, okay, she's my people. And then I met you and I was like, yes, that's true. She's my people. So, Mm -hmm. but the first time we met, yeah, in Vegas, it must've been like around 2011, 2010 or something. So probably quite some time ago. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it was way before Jack, Jack was, oh yeah. Yeah. It was before Jack was born. Yeah. Uh, And and I was actually thinking this morning that we were together at a conference in Long Beach yep. in February of 2019. Mm-hmm. And I remember I remember you going home and I think you texted me or something. And it's like, gosh, there's there's something, there's something going on with Jack. Like he's yep. like crying. He doesn't want to walk. Yep. Like this is so weird. You're like, we're gonna have to, we're gonna go to the doctor. This is just like, this is like not our kid. And I was like, yeah. gosh, that's really weird. Like maybe, you know, he has some kind of like weird cramp or, or yeah. something like that. But in fact, that was not the case. If, if only. only. Yeah. It so, was, um, yeah. Mike and I have a joke. <laughs> well, it's, I mean, the key, um, 
prior to him getting diagnosed, we brought him to the doctor a bunch of times and they kept telling us he had pinworms. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, he never really had pinworms. And we just always say, damn it, if it had only been pinworms. Like, yeah. just, so like at the time that sounded really gross, but compared to childhood weird. cancer, that would have been amazing. That would have been wonderful. Yeah, no, I, it is crazy. Um, I, you know, a number of times I've, I've ever reflected on just that period of time um, right before he was diagnosed. And for a number of reasons I reflected on it. One, because I feel like that was the last time that, um, things were you know somewhat normal and um i almost now think of life you know kind of pre-cancer post-cancer and that time in in long beach and in california was those were the last last bit of time where we felt like things were i mean crazy like life's always crazy but normal um mm. and yeah you're right i was i was out to lunch with um I, was, I think it was Jane and my Colleen Sparkman and Suzanne might have been there anyway. And I'm getting texts from Mike like, gosh, you know, Jack's leg still isn't feeling better. He's complaining about his leg pain. And before I left, he had been complaining like, I don't know, growing pains. We're not sure. He, he brought him even to daycare um, that Friday that I was there with a heating pad. And anyway, and I get home and um, he... Yeah, he was not, not, not himself and just crying and he was, he stopped walking and we're like, what in the, what is this? What's going on? And, um, that, um, yeah, so it was like, it was, you know, I got home on a, I think I came home early cause I came home like Saturday or Sunday morning. And mm -hmm. then the next day, um, his physician, his pediatrician, TV pediatrician called and, um, she was like, is it any better? And, now it's gotten worse and well, that's weird so then we um had an appointment with an orthopedist and that afternoon and meanwhile you know mike and i are you know, we're in the midst of you know we both had great jobs we loved our jobs and felt like we were kind of blossoming professionally and so i hear i was with jack you know he's crying i'm like dude i just gotta get some meetings in today so he's next to me on the couch part of the time crying and i'm like shh you have to be quiet man and now i feel like a jackass because <laughs> Young kid who had a massive tumor inside of him. Anyway, but um, yeah. So we brought him to the orthopedist um, at UVA that afternoon, and I remember that time thinking I was driving to the hospital, thinking, "How oh, should I have packed like a change of clothes? Like, what if this turns into something more?" And I'm like, "Oh, you're being crazy." And Mike shows up to meet us. He had a, he was supposed to present to city council that night, and we meet with the with the orthopedist. I do an X-ray. I still just, my God, just all out of sorts. It was awful. Just nonstop crying. And um, they were like, well, we can't really find anything. Maybe there's a bone infection. Mike and I'm like, good God, a bone infection? Can you imagine? Like, we'll probably be out of work for a few days. Like, I can't, that's, we can't, can't deal with a bone infection. <laughs> so we, they sent us to the ER because he needs an MRI. And anyway, so long story, well, long story long, we um, end up in the ER and I started to get a, a little bit, like not concerned, but I look back on some texts of my friends. I'm like, it's, you know, he's doing well, but I don't like they're asking me questions about childhood cancer. Ha ha. Like, you know, and thinking like, that's crazy. And then turns into a hospital admission. And then, um, she got really real when, um, we, he had to go for the MRI, um, in the after, Tuesday afternoon. I remember by that point, Mike and I were, um, we were just tired, you know, we'd been, you know, in the hospital, we spent the night in the hospital and we were tired and we asked them how long it was going to take. And we went across the street, you know, UVA's, uh, you know, college area. And we went across the street to a, a burger joint and we're like, Jesus, we need a beer. We had a beer and a burger <laughs> while he was getting his MRI. <laughs> and um, we're like, we've got to, we need something. And so we um, get a text that they're going to start using contrast dye. And we're like, well, that's weird. What's going on with that? And, we um, start Googling then, of course, and nothing good comes up. And it's like, oh, you know, cancer. I'm like, what's that? Like, and so we finally, we get back to the hospital and we're sitting there for a little while and a doctor comes in and you could tell when he comes in, he's like, something wasn't right. And he said, um, there's a mass. And we're like. You're like, what do you mean a mass? But, like, um, and he said, and we're like, well, what? And when, he's like. It's very large. It's um, about the size of a grapefruit and it's in his pelvis. And at that point, 
we just were it's just a real like kind of slap in the face we're like and he said well and then then he kind of followed up he said well it doesn't mean it's cancer um there's we think it's this thing and it's called a sacrococcygeal teratoma like how I can just like like float, no one like, can even like I know how to spell it now. I know how to spell it now. I could spell it for anyway. And so he's like, so and they're mostly benign. It just require it would require surgery. And we're like, okay, I, all right. Well, I don't like the sound of that, but all right. And so then I said, well, we'll need to biopsy it, so we'll do that tomorrow. And so then you know we spend another night in the hospital, and then the next day, you know, we've told our parents, oh God, you know he's got this tumor we think it's benign and um then um and and so we're just kind of preparing for a biopsy and i was in the hallway and jack and or jack and mike were in the playroom and um i see the pediatrician that admitted him and she says can i talk to you and i said sure i said we're in the playroom she's like well do you want to talk on there and i said yeah that's fine and i remember um i'm sitting on the floor with jack and she and this resident or med student are sitting in those like you know, tiny preschool chairs and mm -hmm. and I could tell something wasn't right and she just looked at us and she says, Jack has cancer. And um I remember looking at him in that moment. And he was in like this little blue hospital gown and playing with like a Paw Patrol toy and I just, it was, it's just like everything changed in that minute. Yeah. And um, Mike left the room, he started sobbing and me being me, I'm like, okay, what can, like, what can I, and I said, um, how do you know? And she said, well, and I said, you haven't even done the biopsy. And she said, well, the MRI caught the tail end of his lungs and his lungs are riddled with nodules. Mm -hmm. And so I said, so it's metastatic. And she said, yes. I said, you mean so. that it had spread. It had spread, yeah. yeah. So he sent, so it was, um, it had spread all throughout his lungs. And she said, yeah, it's metastatic. It's stage four. And um, I said, well, what does this mean? Like, what do we need to do? Like, where's, the, and I, I feel like I just went, I was like, where's the best place we need to go? Like what? And she says, we don't even know like what kind it is yet. And mm -hmm. we still need to do this biopsy. And, um, and we were just, I mean, we just, we we're just kind of thrown into uh, a tailspin and um, really didn't know what was going on. But in that moment too, I recognized like as, crazy as things were for us and whatever was going on in our mind like we just had to still like be there for jack and parent mm -hmm. him and be be like be positive sounds so like cliche but we needed to be there to support him because i knew that what was going to happen in the coming months was um was was, was not going to be good and it was not going to be great for him and 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 so um, I just, you know, hugged him and um, we just, um, we, we went from there. And um, and just so was, people understand, yeah. when Jack was diagnosed, he was three years old. Yeah, he was three. Yeah. He was three. So he was just a little, you know, a little guy. And he, um, spoiler alert, just turned five last week. <laughs> he did. Uh, and he had a very awesome party. We can talk about that later. Mm -hmm. um, but I remember... I remember because I had been, you know, keeping contact with you and, and I just, I don't know. I just, I remember thinking like, once you started saying, yeah, they have like this tumor or this mass, they're not really sure. And I just remember like this lump in like my heart. And I was like, this doesn't, this sounds, this sounds really weird. Yeah. Um, and so I remember when you said, you know, it's, it's cancer. I, I also was just like, ugh, you know, it's like you, you don't ever want any of your friends or any people that you love to no. come in contact with pain. And then especially children. Yeah. Um, and to know that it was also like this date at stage four, it was just like, I just, I didn't even, I didn't even know how to conceptualize it. And I think that, you know, one of the things that has impressed me so much about you uh, over, you know, this last almost two years now yeah. um, is that you've had this ability 
And I don't know if it's because you're a psychologist or a behavior analyst, or just because you're you, um, to be able to just like maintain and, you know, be like really like systematic, like this is what we're dealing with. Here are the options that we have. These are the conversations that we're having. And I'm going to like kind of keep you posted. Um, I feel like I never personally like witnessed you just like absolutely and utterly like lose your shit. Um, and, and maybe you did privately more, but I just, you know, your well of strength is, I don't, it's incomprehensible to me, Emily. I mean, I, I honestly, I, I, I think that anybody who gets put in this situation, like you honestly have no choice. You have no choice, but to like, move, especially when it's your kid, like you just, yeah. you have to do what you have to do to get them through the next seconds, the next minute, the next day. And in, and for me, um, I, I have reflected on like, um, like Mike and I have handled, have handled it differently and what is the difference and why. And, um, part of it, I think is just our personalities. And that's, you know, I, you know, I have cried, but I haven't had like a huge, like, breakdown um maybe that's not healthy maybe i should have you know um but um it i think part of it is the like recognition of like there are so many things that are outside of my control so many things outside of my control yeah. and the more i focus on those like the worst it is for jack the worst it mm -hmm. is for me like i it, that that is not a healthy way for me to to live i mean i've been in places like that before and it's just i'm unhappy I'm not able to do what I need to do to support, you know, my family and my child. And, um, and so just kind of recognizing what are the things that are, that I do have control over. And sometimes it's making phone calls. Sometimes it's, um, you know, I, Mike would laugh at me because I would get obsessed with every time we had a hospital admission, I had bins of toys. I had decorations for our room. I had pictures that I put up on the wall. I had Christmas lights that I would put up because I wanted, in my mind, I'm like, if we're going to spend this much fucking, sorry, time in the hospital, <laughs> like, we, it, it is going to feel like a happy place when you walk into yeah. this room. It is yeah. not going to feel like a hospital room. I, that is something I could control. That was something that made me feel good. And, um, and, and so the more I could do things like that, then the less out of control everything else in, in the sphere um, felt. Um, and I, I think that's just part of it might be from being a psychologist and having all that years of training on like, mm -hmm. what are some healthy coping habits and what are some, mm -hmm. you know, ways that I knew I, the other thing I knew I could control was my own attitude. Right. Yeah. Like I couldn't control what was happening to me, but I, I did have a choice in how I responded to what was happening to me. Yeah. And there's also just like so much interesting research showing that having an optimistic mindset actually yeah. produces better results. Yeah. Um, and, but I want to, I want to take a real quick step back just to kind yeah. of frame your experience and what people may or may not have known is that you had lost your father. Yeah. Um, was it a year? Was it a year? Previous? It was just about a year before Jack yeah. got diagnosed. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I remember when he got sick and you know, we were, it was kind of touch and go for a while. Yep. And so he passed and, and that, and your dad was a professor um, yes. of psychology, right? Yes. Yep. He's yeah, a, yeah, so, he was a psychology professor. And his and name was Jack. And that's how your son's Jack. named after. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. So he yep. was this like, you know, amazing guy. Yeah. Um, and obviously, you know, you've had, um, you know, this exposure to psychology, you know, your entire life, um, you know, again, like your entire family is, you know, just incredible. And you were even sharing with me that you had been, you know, started volunteering um, in high school to throw monthly birthday parties for children at Duke's Children's Hospital because you yep. grew up in North Carolina. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, you had already seen before um, cancer and the effect it had on, on families. And, you know, you're just like, I never thought that would be me. It was just, yeah. you know, me wanting to feel like I could, you know, yeah. do something to, to be supportive. You had also, you know, gotten this position that was like your dream job, mm -hmm. um, and something that you were, you know, so excited about, um, prior to Jack's diagnosis, but also, you know, 
you and Mike, because you and Mike were both uh, NC2A swimmers in college. Yes. Um, you both have incredible shoulders and muscles, <laughs> uh, definition. Uh, I'm jealous and, you know, I don't know what else okay. to say about that. And, you know, you guys have been together for how many years now? We started dating in 1998. Girl, that's like 22 years. I Did know. I do my math right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. How are we this old? I, I know, right? I mean, we were like basically two when we started. Basically. Dating, right. Um, so, but yeah. you guys were also just going through a real challenging time in, yeah. in your marriage, as so many of us oh, yeah. do, especially when you've been together for that long. Yeah. And so that's like the context of, of Jack being diagnosed is you're like, I'm still dealing with, you know, mourning the loss of my dad, which was tremendous. Mm-hmm. You know, Mike and I are going through this like crappy time together, but I also have this dream job and, and you and I are very similar. Like we derive so much, I think, personal identity and confidence from the, the work that we do. Yeah. Um, and so then you guys were faced with this choice because what you found out was the best place for Jack to receive the best treatment for him was not at UVA. Yeah. Uh, what we, what ended up happening was um, he went through what was considered to be like um, the best uh, standard of care for his particular cancer, um, which I mean, it was for anybody interested. He had a extra gonadal yolk sac germ cell tumor. Never heard of it. I was like, yeah. okay, that's, that's great. Another, uh, another thing to add to my lingo. Um, and he went through four rounds of chemo at UVA and we were getting ready for surgery. And um, we thought we were kind of in the clear and we we're going to have surgery. And we were already making plans to go back to work. And Jack was, um, um, we were making plans for him to go back to preschool. And uh, we, but we scheduled to have a second opinion on surgery at CHOP because like, Which is Children's Hospital of Philadelphia. Children's Hospital of Philadelphia, yes. Um, because I'll be honest, like if someone's going to be cutting into my son, it's going to be the best. Yep. <laughs> like, I'm not. Yeah, mess that's fair. That. That's fair. And um, and so we went up to Chop, and as a part of their protocol, they had a, we had to do a whole like a whole um, second opinion on his diagnosis and whatnot, and we had to do blood draws, and we met with an oncologist, and when they did the um, blood draws to check his lab work. Um, they looked at his tumor marker, which was how we essentially were monitoring his um, response to therapy. And we found out that not only, I mean, it was maybe a month after we stopped chemo, um, it was growing again. Mm-hmm. And so they, it hadn't, it wasn't relapsed. They called it refractory because it really never went away. Um, and that's when shit got really real, like yeah. real real fast. Um, our, I think I was supposed to go to the cast leadership Academy that week. I had plane tickets and everything. And, uh, we were going to be up there for the day on Monday and our one day, what we thought were going to be, you know, consult turned into a week of, um, appointments and follow-ups and all kinds of consultation. And, um, we were there for a week we came home, we're home for two days and then went back up for more chemo. And then, um, yeah, and, and more chemo, it made it when the plan kept changing because our, we love our oncologist, but she was very, very honest with us and said that what we're dealing with is no longer what we would consider straightforward. It's very difficult to treat. Um, and we're going to do our best is what she told us. Mm-hmm. So, um, I th- it, unbeknownst to us, Mike's brother asked our oncologist while we we're up there, um, what are his odds at this point? Mm-hmm. And she says, you know, I don't like to talk odds, but less than 50%. Mm-hmm. And, um, so yeah. And, and we, the, we ended up going up to Philly. Gosh, that was in. June, mm-hmm. I think from June until March 1st of 2020, we were in Philly for 10 months. Um, we we were up there off and on June, July, and then moved up there full-time on August. Yeah. Um, and, and that required you guys, I mean, so you moved into the Ronald McDonald yeah. house, yeah. which was just a tremendous, oh my gosh. Yeah. incredible source of, yeah. you know, support for you guys and something I know that was like so meaningful for your family. Yeah. It also meant that you 
had to quit your dream job. Yeah. And Mike yep. had to quit his job too. Yeah. Um, because you had to focus on making sure that Jack stayed alive. Yeah. And that was a full-time job. And just so people know, I'm going to link this to the show notes. You started a caring bridge yes. um, yep. for Jack. And I have to say, I always felt like your entries there were part of, I think, how you were able to kind of just like keep it together because it was just like, A, you're just a, a tremendously gifted writer. Um, but B, you know, it's like a way for you to keep everybody posted. But then what I also noticed is then so many people would bring feedback to you and, you know, to be able to have that connection, but also just to kind of like let it out, like here's what's happening here, you know, is what's going on. But you always, I think, maintain this like incredible, incredible optimism. Um, And you said that you adopted this like mantra day by day Mm -hmm. during just day by day. Can you kind of like talk about what, what did, what does that mean exactly to you? Yeah. Um, so we, when we were f- first in Charlotte, so when, right after Jack was first diagnosed, um, we um, we go to an Episcopal church here in in, in Charlottesville, and one of our uh, a couple of our priests came to visit us. We were really overwhelmed at the time, and he reminded us of um, like a passage in the Bible, and he it was I'm going to butcher it right now, but essentially it's you know, therefore don't worry about tomorrow. Um, or tomorrow will worry about itself. Yeah, yeah. Today mm-hmm. has enough troubles of its own. Tomorrow mm-hmm. will worry about itself. And I really try to take that message to heart. I'm like, you know what? That's true. Mm-hmm. Each day right now is enough to handle on its own. Yeah. And worrying about tomorrow is not going to change anything. Worrying about like what's going to happen, it, it, it's not going to change anything. And and it's just going to make it so I'm not more present in the moment. And so yeah. I, like Mike and I would just, we just kept saying, okay, one day at a time, day by day, you know, day by day, we're doing it. Like those were our two, our two, two things we would say to each other, like went, cause we alternated nights in the hospital. We would, before we would leave each night, um, like it would, one of us would say, gosh, okay, day by day. And then we'd give a hug and we'd say, we're doing it. We're doing it. Because we had to keep reminding ourselves that, like, shit was hard, but we were doing it. And yeah. Jack was doing it. And, um, you know, we didn't want to focus too much on all the shit that was going wrong. But the fact that we were getting through, mm-hmm. you know, we were we were doing it and um, we were finding ways every day to have some joy and smile. And, um, and it's, you know, we, we were doing it and day by day, like it's, and then it's just been constantly, sometimes it was minute by minute, mm-hmm. <laughs> but just that reminder that let's focus on what's right in front of us. And um, that's how we're going to get through. How do you think that also the, your training as a psychologist and a behavior analyst kind of helped prepare you to be able to kind of take that, like almost like a systematic view mm-hmm. to like what was happening. Yeah. It's, it is funny. I was, I was reflecting on it the other day and I was thinking, my God, like here I was thinking that, you know, all these, you know, like, you use all kinds of project management systems and you always had to break down like the larger goal into these smaller tasks or even with, you know, writing behavioral programming, doing all of our task analyses and looking at things like one small step at a time. And so, I mean, there were days where like I might, you know, write a to-do list and it, it might've been as simple as like, take a shower. Mm-hmm. Boom, I did it, you know, and they were like with Jack, like we're going to get him, we're going to get him out of his pajamas. And then just like those, like, I wasn't focusing on, oh my gosh, we're going to, now get him through this next round of chemo and like, no, like we're focusing on today. He's going to eat one bite of a banana so that we can avoid getting a feeding tube and just mm-hmm. like setting very small goals. And then with each round two, knowing what was ahead, like we would know what was ahead, but then the more I could break it down to like, okay, what's on tap today? What's on tap tomorrow? Um, I do think um, my you know work and training is just, overall, like, you know, with project management and with, um, being, uh, you know, a behavior analyst really helped me, um, 
go into things with with that mindset. And it sounds kind of crazy, like almost like cold, like while well, you're in the middle of helping your kid with cancer, you were like making checklists. Yeah, I was making checklists because mm-hmm. that is how I can often control my situations. And it makes me, it calms my nerves. I know, I know what relieves my stress. And so I gravitated towards those things. While and a good, and a good beer and good yeah. beers. <laughs> yes. Yeah. One yeah. of, one of the things uh, that, I mean, just so people know, but like you and I have been corresponding about recording this podcast for a long time. And there's so many notes. I literally have 17 pages of notes in front of me, all of which you have written. Um, (laughs) So I was trying trying to kind of like synthesize everything. Um, And, but I love one of the things that you talked about and you said, you can learn things in the Valley that you cannot learn from a mountaintop. Yep. Yeah. No, I mean, I can't, I, there was somewhere recently, it was probably a podcast I was listening to and it was about, it might've been like the, I, was, I think it was me with Angela Duckworth talking about grit in the book she wrote and mm-hmm. it's like, oh my God, it's so true. And, and it's, I mean, it can sound cliche, but I've been successful in a lot of things. Right. Mm-hmm. And when you're at the top, I mean, yeah, you can, you can revel in, it can be great, but the things that have helped like have coming out of the situation i am probably more confident i'm a stronger person i am i have more grace for folks i um because in those times where like no nothing was going right and everything was like going wrong we did it we still we still made it through and mm-hmm. i now have more confidence that like I, I don't have as big a fear of like failure and fear of like not being able to do anything because I, well we're still in the middle of a bunch of chaos and craziness and guess what we're still doing it life is yeah. still going on we have not like like we're we're okay and yeah. um and i've seen other families go through like far worse things than we've gone through and um so i have gratitude for the just being where we are Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, so that was like in that valley, like we saw a lot of shit that was terrible. And, mm-hmm. um, I now know what it's like to really be in a, in a, in a, in a, in a tough place. And, um, and I'm yeah, just grateful, um, that we were able to absorb some of those, um, lessons. And again, like I'm, I feel, it's, again, it sounds silly, but like a different, person right now than I was going into it. Um, even though I still have my concerns and my doubts and worries about like, what am I going to do next? And like, it's, um, it doesn't consume me like maybe would have prior yeah. to this. So. How, cause this is another thing that I, I watched and, and saw, you know, with you and I, I think that they're, you're not alone. Um, and having this experience and, and that is how crucially important your relationships with your friends were during this point. I mean, and, and for anyone that's kind of followed Jack's journey, I mean, they were organizing fun runs. There was Jack swag. I mean, like your ladies were holding it down. Yeah. Um, how do you feel like that impacted your ability to kind of continue to just like get through that day by day? I, I call them my badass village. Um, mm. So, your BAV, um, the my BAV. BAV. Mm-hmm. Okay. It. Um, I. I don't have the words to really describe what, like the support of like my close group and the support of people I've never met mm-hmm. meant to us and how they buoyed us through like the shittiest of waters um it's just um you know in my work as a psychologist and just my interest in like social connectivity and my dad was an Adlerian psychologist and he had this whole he was very into the idea of like social interest and people doing unto others which essentially then makes them a better um yeah like a more well-rounded person and we felt love and we felt like kindness and we felt like support like i would have never imagined possible um Mm -hmm. again from everywhere and it allowed us 
in so many ways to be able to focus solely on Jack mm-hmm. and not all the other shit going on. Like we had, when Jack got diagnosed, I mean, I don't even think he didn't even have a cancer diagnosis yet. We were just in the hospital and I already had like coffee coming in. I had dinners mm-hmm. already for the next week. Once he was diagnosed, like I did not have to make a meal from February until June 10th. Yeah. And those kinds of things, when you're in the middle of just dealing with, I mean, it was effortful just to get up some days and just like put one foot in front of the other. And when you have somebody that just brings you a hot meal, like it's, it, 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 it just seems like they're bringing you the whole world. And it was yeah. amazing. Um, yeah. I had, I had strangers. There was, um, there was this one instance when we were, um, we were in Rittenhouse Park with Jack Rittenhouse Square, which if you've been to Philly is uh, kind of the heart of, of, um, of the city. And is that where the Rocky statue is? No, that's at the art museum. Okay. I know Philly very well now. So I'm like, I just know the Rocky statue. <laughs> anyone wants any recommendations on Philly? Like, You're like I got you. Or, I, I got you. Just shoot me an email. Anything you need to know. Probably once Corona's done. But um, anyway, um, we were in Rittenhouse Square, and it was a Saturday. It was in between some treatments or something. But, I mean, Jack was clearly bald. He was very skinny and kind of sickly looking. And there were all kinds of people around, all kinds of people around. And I'm sure like parents who have kids with disabilities notice it too, where you see people glance, right? And you mm-hmm. see people look and some of them, you almost see them look and they're like, oh, like a look of pity. But nobody said anything to us. Nobody said anything. Um, and I think they were all just kind of like saddened or scared. And which maybe in the past I would have been too. We were sitting on a bench and we started eating some lunch and um, a homeless man walked by us and he looked at us for a minute and was like, and it, I, I had that initial gut reaction. Like, oh, Mike, look down, you know. Yeah. yeah don't, don't make eye contact. Don't make yeah. eye contact. You know, oh my God, does he, what does he want? And blah, blah, blah. And, and he said, excuse me. And for whatever reason, like, I just, I, I can't, if somebody talks to me, I have a hard time ignoring him. So I was like, yeah. Mm-hmm. And he said, can I ask you a question? I was like, oh God, here it comes. And he said, what is your son's name? I said, his name is Jack. And he says, um, does he have cancer? I said, yeah, he does. And this man just then sat on the bench next to us, um, probably for a minute. And he just sat there and then he said, it's just not fair. He said, it's, it's not fair, man. It's, he shouldn't have cancer. And I said, I know. He's doing well. He's, he's, he's strong. He sat there for another minute and he said, can I pray for him? I said, yes, you may. And um, he said a prayer and he got up and he left. And to me, like, that was such a powerful moment because you know, we talk a lot about like social connectivity and like accepting support from others around you. And you just never know where you're going to find it. You never mm-hmm. know, like you never know where you're going to find it. And you never know, like when you can make a difference in somebody's life. Yeah. And here I was, I almost ignored him. And I, then I felt like crap, like, oh my God, like I almost ignored this man who all he wanted to do was pray for my son. Mm-hmm. And there were so many other people around who I think, whether it's because of our own like social anxieties, like, Oh, I can't say anything. I can't find that kid that's different. But yet this man just said, he, 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 he was human and he, he was human. human. Yeah. I mean, and he's yeah. just like, I'm one human to another human. And yeah. I see that you are suffering. Yeah. There is suffering that is occurring yeah. right now. And he asked nothing of us. He asked yeah. nothing other than what is his name? Does he have cancer? Or can I pray for him? And yeah. It's just a really beautiful moment for us um, and a reminder that there's um, a lot of good out in this world and a lot of people and, and you'll find it when you least expect it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. And I think for so many people right now, I think it's been really challenging to kind of figure out 
where do you find those graces? Where do you find that joy? Um, And, and I still, you know, and I think, I mean, you and I've talked about this. I sometimes wonder if I have just kind of like this, like Pollyanna viewpoint. I'm like, but I still think it's there, you know, but we also have the responsibility if we want to receive it, we got we got to put it out there too. You got to put it out there. Yeah, you do. No, that's it's one hundred percent, and that that's been something else that's changed us throughout this experience and through this journey. Is um, I'm more likely now to like just say something, not to say something and point something out, but like to say something to somebody or like ask, "Do you need some help?" or "Can I help you with this?" Mm-hmm. or just instead of asking if somebody needs help when you know they need. Um, just doing something for them because sometimes yeah. in the moment it's so like oh I, i'm here to help whatever you need do you know it's a lot of effort to think about what you need right you know yep. and just do something and so we're a lot we've been a lot more um likely to um just kind of put it out there because we know what a difference it made for us personally and um and, and, and it's just, uh, we'll never be able to repay all the favors that we received. Um, I have a, still have a thank you, like card list. I don't even know how many pages it is now that I will get to, but it's mm-hmm. taken me a while. Yeah. Yeah. So. You're like, we might be writing thank you notes into 2022 and that's where we're at. And that's okay. That is okay. Yeah. One yeah. thing that you wrote when we were talking about this, that uh, I thought was so, so poignant. You're like, so having a child with cancer is the club I never applied to join. There is no onboarding process yeah. and there's no handbook. Yeah. And so much of my life has been planned or has been planned on achieving goals I set and worked towards. Mm-hmm. But this was something that I had an option to quit or switch. You know, usually I would be able to quit or switch yeah. directions and something that I was doing. You're like, but this was totally different. There's yeah. no opting out. Nope. There's no alternative path if I want to save my kid's life. There is none. Um, yeah, I joked early on about, yeah, this is a club that has no application. I never researched it. Never. No one's ever going to put in an never application. Never wanted either. to be a part of yeah. it. And I imagine it's, I've, I've reflected a lot on um, the experience. You know, I, for years and years, worked in the field of autism. And mm-hmm. I've, I've reflected on what it has to have been like for family is given an autism diagnosis. And I've been the one who's been giving, who's given a diagnosis at the time. Um, What it's like to all of a sudden have your life turned upside down by that. And um, I, yeah, it's just so much of my life was, you know, I was an athlete. I knew how to work towards that goal. You know, I could train, I could train and I could do well. And and my success was based on what I put in most Mm -hmm. of the time. Right. And, getting my PhD. It was like, I knew what I was doing. I got it. Like I got into grad school. That was my goal. I knew I had to do these things. And then it, I put in the work and, and I achieved this goal. And even in grad school, there were times where like, Jesus, I don't, maybe I don't want to do this anymore. And I was like, okay, well, at least I don't have to if I don't want to. It's my choice. And mm-hmm. um, even with the CASP job, this it was crazy. I remember I was working with uh, Ray Romanchik up in Binghamton. He was my um, advisor. And he was one of the initial folks involved with cast and I was sitting in his office like, you know, Emily, this could turn into something one day. And I was like, really? Yeah. He's like, yeah. You know, I said, God, Ray, like my dream would be to lead that organization. Mm-hmm. And when, you know, like years later, that's what I was able to do. And so it's just as somebody who like, I know, I know you like yourself is goal, goal oriented mm-hmm. and used to being able to kind of choose your own path. This is, it was, uh, this whole experience has been a real lesson. Like, what the F do you do? And you have no choice mm-hmm. about the situation you're put in. And um, it's, yeah, it's no, they did give me a binder. I will say they gave me a binder. You're like, I like the binder. It was a handbook on, you know, handbook for parents on, on cancer. I was like, okay. This you're like, never- does this come with a beer? I just was like, please. All righty. Yeah. Yeah. I don't really know know what to do with this, but great. Thank you. I still have it. So (laughs) let's, obviously I I talked earlier um, that that Jack just celebrated his his fifth birthday. Mm -hmm. And so you guys were able to be discharged from CHOP um, in March, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You had to ring the bell. 
We got to ring um, the bell. It's very yeah. exciting. Yes. Yeah. Um, but I also, you know, in, you know, Jack is living his best COVID life right now. He has his uh, pandemic pod that mm-hmm. he is a part of. Um, he does. And, but he's, he's not out of the woods. Can you kind of talk a little briefly? Um, I think sometimes people don't understand that when you are treating cancer, um, part of what you do is inject very, very, very powerful chemicals yeah. into your, you have into yeah. your body yeah. to help kill, um, you know, the tumors, uh, in the masses, yeah. but that also there are collateral, there's collateral damage oh, yeah. as, will, um, yeah. because of those treatments. I will be 100% honest and maybe I'm in the minority here. When Jack was diagnosed with cancer, like I thought chemo was just like a drug. I was like, oh, you get some chemotherapy. Like I didn't realize there are a majillion, well, not a majillion, like, there's a ton of different types of chemotherapy agents. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't know that. I didn't know that they were often used in combinations. I didn't understand that different drugs are used to, t- to treat different kinds of cancers. There's all of these things that I, you know, was very quickly, again, that whole, like, there was no job training. I just kind of learned that. Um, yeah. Like, what do you, what is You're like, could you have included this in the onboarding? You're like, wait, well, there wasn't any onboarding. No, there wasn't. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the chemo drugs, this was the crazy thing. When, when his, when he received his very first chemo, the nurses walked into our room. They were clothed in like, essentially like PPE, what you see people wearing. Like hazmat suits. They yeah. were wearing like these yellow gowns double gloves, a face shield. And I was like, whoa, 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 what's going on? They're like, oh, we have to do this for the chemo. We can't get it Touch on ourselves. It or get anything, yeah. And I'm like, but you're putting that into my child's body. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> and I remember them giving us all this training on um, if, you know, as we're helping him go to the bathroom, like if it gets on you, you have to wash right away. Like there's a special solution you have to put on the floor. And I'm like, what the? this is going into his body. Mm -hmm. Um, When we were signing forms for him to get chemo. And again, I didn't realize all this. They're like, okay, so side effects of chemo are additional cancers. I'm like additional cancer. That's not what you're killing. Like, yeah. (laughs) You know, hearing loss, additional cancers, infertility, um, the the cognitive impact. It's all this, this manner of things. But then it's like, well, you have no choice. I'm not going to let the cancer keep going in there. So sure, we'll sign off on that. Um, and then, you know, the, the more you have, like the, the greater those impacts can be. And so Jack went through these four rounds at UVA. He did okay. And then he had to get additional, more, like even stronger drugs and at CHOP. And then the big, I mean, I don't want to say the big crusher was when he had to go to CHOP and we had to do um, three rounds of what they call high-dose chemo, a stem cell transplant. And in those, and that's like the mega, mega doses, like that they, mm-hmm. it, they essentially just try, they kill all your bone marrow. They kill everything in yeah. your body. And they use the, I thought like, again, like prior to like, oh, I thought like the stem cells were like what treated, like, no, no, they put the cells back in to help your body recover from how much the chemo crushed your system. Like we would bring him in and he would be like a healthy kind of kid. Mm -hmm. And then three days later, he was so, so incredibly sick. Fevers of spike. There was a point during his first round of of high dose and stem cell where for five days in a row, he would spike a fever over 105 every day. And he was throwing up blood and mucus from his like gut. Mm-hmm. He had scabs like all through his esophagus, all through his stomach lining, and it's all from the drugs. And I just this I mm-hmm. never realized that. And and so not only do you have those things going through treatment, but he now um his permanent hearing damage, he'll wear hearing aids. Mm-hmm the rest of his life he he's great about wearing them but he'll say to me why won't my hearing come back i really i want to hear again and he'll he'll cry about it and it's tough because 
like he know he understands like god he learned so he understands about cancer he understands he's had friends die he understands that there's things that are just hard for him to 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 grasp and he's like why won't my hearing come back i just want to hear again like i don't want to he's like i like that i can hear but i i don't you know i don't want to have these hearing aids we um are in the process now of getting him evaluated for um or getting him in the queue for a neuropsych assessment because we just found out that um, cognitive processing deficits are um, can be a significant side effect of some of the chemo drugs that he received. And I've noticed just some like some learning difficulties. Um, so we're going through that. Um, it's very likely that um, he'll never have. Well, okay, I say this now and then I'll I'll I'll. I'll talk about it. just very likely he will not ever have kids the mm -hmm. drugs that um they mean biological, children, biological he, children yeah yes correct because um and he and you ask him what he wants to be when he grows up and he says i want to be a dad and so like again like we know he can have that if he wants to and maybe there will be something down the line that you know will help so that if he wants to have bio kids biologically that he maybe they'll find something that they can do that but it's just hard like when you you know you you, you have to do these things to save his life but then you realize like the long-term impacts and then i say all these things and then i'm just so grateful because he's still here mm -hmm. we have friends that that's not the case yeah. And that's like just unimaginable. So I will take hearing aids. I'll take all these things because he's here. Um, and I think I was saying to you also that, again, along the lines of I feel guilty sometimes even complaining about these things or not complaining, but just even feeling badly about them. Because I know at the end of the day, families of kids with other disabilities are having to face lifelong consequences as well. And while Jack, you know, he's going to have hearing difficulties, he might have some cognitive processing, like he's still the same kid. You know, mm -hmm. he still tells me he loves me 50 times a day. Mm -hmm. Oh, he and still has a big personality. He's got, <laughs> yeah. And so I'm just, you know, I'm very, I'm very, very grateful for that. And, um, but it is something that on a day to day basis, like it's hard every once in a while, like when you see him with his friends to be like, fuck, like, that's you know like he's slower than with them at like running and and i started to see kids like make comments to him or like say mm -hmm. you're a slow poke and i want to be like you should, do you know why yeah. he's so slow you're like i'm you gonna know? punch you in the like, face right now you wanna go? <laughs> yeah you're like don't I'm, test me <laughs> and i'm like i'm not gonna give feedback to a five-year-old on that like you know it's just so it's um i don't know he's he's been just a phenomenal with um understanding it at all and handling it all um so it's just day, day by day i answer yeah. his questions when he asks them and um just how do you how do you feel like for you you know because again you've been this like very goal-oriented person you know it's like swimming at like this elite level in in college you know getting you know a phd being in leadership positions and then all of a sudden you're like Oh my gosh, you know, I had to almost take like a timeout on the rest of my entire life to make sure that Jack could receive the treatment that he needed to. And kind of coming on to the other side of that, you know, I would assume that you kind of have to question like, well, then who am I? And, you know, so I've been like Emily, the swimmer, Emily, you know, the PhD grad student, Emily, you know, the executive director of this, you know, really exciting, you know, national trade association for providers working with kids with autism. And then I've just been like Jack's mom and, and you love that role, but then how do you, how do you move forward for yourself mm -hmm. um, in, in who you are? And what do you feel like the like lessons that you've been able to learn that have allowed you to, you know, continue to like be you and have the the confidence even in the midst of not having like those titles and and those associations with work that were just like inextricably tied to like your sense of you know who you are if that makes yeah. sense no it makes complete sense and it's something that like i reflect on and I, i've struggled with a lot because um i mean you mentioned um 
where, you know, Mike and I had some difficulties and right before Jack got sick and we, and I mentioned we both, you know, had successful careers and were working very hard. And I think there was probably a point and part of the reason why we we're having some difficulties was that we were um, seeking 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 reinforcement from kind of some external like mm-hmm. from our colleagues or from work and from those things more than looking either inward to our own relationship or to our family or to like what we were doing at home and so I recognized that um, in some regards we I mean, were starting to work through that already but there have been some pieces of this where it's been almost a reset and it's been something for me to say hey girl you thought you knew what you were doing psych you thought you knew who you were <laughs> mm-hmm. and you thought you knew and nope that's not it and my big fear I think before he got sick and as I was working was that oh my god who who am I without you know this you know this career and I was very fearful of that and I was worried that I one would be like nobody or that that I wouldn't know I wouldn't have any direction and now I if I'm being completely honest like I, I do worry about it and I do have these fears and I and I do have concerns about oh my god I've been out of things for so long what am I doing am I going to be relevant when I want to go back to being a professional but it the insecurity I had before is not there as much again, because I've kind of seen what life is like without that. Mm -hmm. And I can still be okay. Not to say that I don't want to continue to contribute professionally and I don't want to be ambitious because I'm always going to be who I am. But I'm, I, I, I realize that right now I'm, I'm making the choice right now to, focus those same ambitions on keeping him healthy Mm -hmm. being a very terrible preschool teacher but um (laughs) that's just the state of where you're like i've been fired numerous times by my my only student which is jack Callahan. i'm being completely honest there may have been a time two weeks ago where i was crying on the floor because i was like so frustrated he was crying and then he just told me mom you're just not a good teacher and (laughs) i said well Thanks, man. <laughs> You're like, that's fair. <laughs> so, I, I mean, that was not, I don't know if I completely answered your question, but that was, that's, uh, I don't know, the more I realize that, you know, what I'm, what, whatever, everything I do every day is a choice in that if I mm-hmm. choose to kind of, I, I will have a choice to go back in another direction when I want to and when the time is right. Mm-hmm. Just kind of sit. And you're fine with that. And you're also yeah. fine with, you know, and I love how you did this or talked about this. Day by day. Day by day. Yep. Day by day. 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 Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And it's excited. It's been a good, like Mike and I have had a lot of, I would never want anybody to go through having a kid with cancer, but it's made us stronger. Um, There was, like I said, like when we were struggling, there was a point in time where, yeah, I I just think any relationship is a choice, right? Yes. But whether it's a romantic relationship, Mm -hmm. a friendship, a, you know, professional relationship, it's all a choice. Yeah. And, but the thing is, is that it's a choice you have to make every day. It's Mm -hmm. not one that you just make one day. No. So like when you get married, you know, okay, that's great. You get married, but then you have to make a choice every day to then focus on, you know, that person and like even with work. And so where he and I had struggled was not recognizing that we weren't doing as good a job, like choosing each other every day and choosing yeah. our family every day. And, um, and this has really solidified, um, that my God, there's no other direction that I want to go. Yeah. This is the choice that I want to make for the rest of my lifetime. And so, um, said so there's been a lot of really shitty things that have come out of this, but, mm-hmm. There's been a lot of great things that have come out of it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and and I want to close with this because you wrote yeah. this. Because yeah. again, like you're such a good freaking writer. I'm so Thanks. jealous. Um, but also just like I love it because I like to read everything that you write. Um, and you said this. 
whether at work or at the hospital, in your personal life, in my friendships, the more I can embrace an attitude of grace, the happier I am on a day-to-day basis. And the reality is that as humans, we're fallible. People we love and respect are going to disappoint us, and we're going to disappoint people we love and respect. We will make mistakes. And in all honesty, people need love and grace the most when they deserve it the least. Love and grace. I believe that wholeheartedly. And bring it to almost a behavioral perspective, grace is unmerited, unearned, undeserved favor. Non-contingent reinforcement. 100%. Hell yes. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yep. So Grace is operationally non-contingent yep. reinforcement. Yep. Yep. So let's do that a little more. I am I am down. Let's do it. Thank you so much for joining me for this episode of Reveal. I hope that you were able to learn something, that you were able to grow a little bit as a person as a result of listening to this episode. And I hope that you follow this podcast We're on like every podcast platform. So it's Google, it's Spotify, it's Anchor. And this is just the beginning of a lot more really awesome stories about incredible women that are doing amazing things. So have a great day. Follow us on all of the platforms. You can follow us also on Instagram at reveal.comm and also on Facebook, which means I'm gonna have to get a Facebook account, but I'll figure that out eventually. Have a great day, guys.